You're listening to the Restored Minds Podcast, episode number 55. And on today's episode, we are going to be talking about how to recognize if a loved one is dealing with OCD and anxiety. And specifically, we're going to talk about eight ways that it might start to present in their day-to-day life and as a loved one, things that you might see, right? Because one of the things that's probably not going to happen is your loved one's not going to come to you and tell you that they're dealing with OCD or anxiety, right? Unless they're very well educated and, and you know, we're able to have some kind of intervention. Usually they don't know that's what they're dealing with, right? They think that it's, you know, some kind of like in, in contamination OCD, they think it's a contamination problem, right? They're not going to tell you that it's OCD. And, but what you will start to see are kind of patterns of symptoms that are going to emerge, right? And, and my hope is, is that by you educating yourself, you know, as a loved one of someone who's struggling, what you can do is you can start to start to see these symptoms and then hopefully help the person get the right help they need. Um, because again, like the problem is, is that, you know, like with OCD, when the symptoms onset, it's usually about seven years before the person actually gets help. And so the sooner we can get the person help, um, and the right treatment, the, obviously the less impact it has on their life, but also just, you know, we, we want people to get the right help, uh, you know, as soon as possible. So as a loved one, it's very likely you're going to be the first person to notice something. And in this episode, I want to talk about eight things that you might see that might indicate that your um, that your loved one is dealing with OCD or an anxiety disorder. So hopefully uh, you find this helpful. And without further ado, I will see you in the show. Hi, I'm Matt Cotty. I'm a licensed clinical social worker. And on this show, I share helpful strategies to help you overcome common mental health challenges. After years of working with others and navigating my own personal struggles, I know real transformation starts from within. And when people are able to heal as individuals, they bring that restoration into their families, friendships, and communities, which is why a restored mind is the beginning of a restored world. Welcome to the Restored Mind Show. All right. Hey there, and welcome to this episode where we're going to talk about how to help a loved one with OCD and anxiety. And so in this specific episode, in this series that's going to follow, this is the first episode in this series, I want to talk to the people... This, this really is made for people who have a loved one, or whether it's a significant other, a child, you know, family, a family member, a friend that's struggling with OCD and anxiety. And the reason I wanted to make this is because for, the, for most people, right, you know, by the time symptoms onset in their life and the time they get help, there's usually a huge gap there where things radically progress so, and really significantly impact your life. And with things like OCD, you know, it's reported that in, in I think on the average time is like seven years before when, when symptoms arise and the person gets help, right? And obviously a lot of things, a lot of damage is done in those seven years when we're feeding the disorder and it's growing, a lot of impact on the relationships impacts at work and all other areas of their life, right? And so the hope is, is that because you are the family members, right? And you're the the loved ones of these individuals, we need to understand that OCD and anxiety is a family problem, right? It is, it is going to be, you know, it's, it's going to be something that's going to impact everyone. Yes. The person who's suffering is obviously suffering, but that doesn't mean that you aren't either, right? Because there's, there's oftentimes going to be a lot of changes and accommodations that's going on just for the person who's, who's struggling. So as the family, um, you know, you're often like the first person to notice when, when things are happening, right. You know, when things, when something might be off 
And my hope is, is that in this series, we can start, you know, uh, equipping, you know, you to, you know, hope, you know, ho- hopefully get the intervention and the right treatment in place a lot sooner than, um, than what normally happens. Right. And so as with anything, the first thing that we need to need to do before we, you know, when it comes to any problem is recognize that there is a problem, right? So in this uh, episode, what I want to talk about are kind of eight things we can look at that might signify that an anxiety disorder or OCD is currently present in that person's life and a loved one's life. And because, because they won't ever tell you that they have OCD or an anxiety disorder. They might tell you that they feel anxious and, and things like that, but that doesn't mean they, they necessarily even know what's going on, right? Because the first step in any kind of change is becoming problem aware. And you might know that there's something going on, but maybe can't pinpoint what it is. And in this series, my hope is, is that we can equip you with some kind of um, just kind of basic guidelines to help you identify if this is or is not going on in your loved one's life. So let's go ahead and dive in. So the first, um, the first thing that we want to look for are large blocks of time being spent alone by the individual. Okay. So if you're, let's say your significant other child is just in their room for like three, four hours and you, you know, there's nothing really going on in there. Um, or they're in, you know, washing or in the shower for, for an extended periods of time, especially on repetitive, um, uh, like in a repetitive way, like day after day, after day, after day. Right. Um, that's a, that's a red flag, right? You know, because it, especially if you don't like, there's no homework being done or anything like that. It's just these large chunks of time. And again, that's, and that's not their normal routine. Um, that's something to look for, right? Isolation, isolating themselves. That's a, that's definitely a red flag that we want to look for. A second thing are abnormal avoidance behaviors. So, and this again is going to be subjective, you know, and, and obviously based on the, um, each situation is going to be different, but when it comes to anxiety disorders um, and OCD, one of the things that the person is going to do is they're going to want to avoid things that trigger them, right? And as a loved one, you might think you're helping them by by helping because again, it, it's it's going to reduce their distress today. But what we need to understand is avoidance behaviors reinforce the fear, and while it might reduce their stress today, it's going to make them worse in the long term. And so, like with any with any treatment, um, you know, the, the goal of this treatment is long-term health and success, not short-term comfort. And so if you find that, uh, you know, the person you know is starting to avoid things that normally they haven't avoided, you know, in the past. So for instance, let's say with like contamination OCD, if they start avoiding going to restaurants and every time you want to go out to eat to a restaurant, they're like, oh, you know, no, I don't feel good or this and they go without me, you know, and there's this repetitive avoidance of something that they haven't avoided in the past or something that's just kind of like not usual that's something to look for, right? That, that, that could be what's going on. They could be, you know, very fear and anxiety based driven behaviors. The other thing is just repetitive behaviors in general, right? So the idea of, you know, um, sitting there and washing again and again and again, right? Um, watching, you know, the same shows and same movies again and again, um, you know, I, I mean, checking locks, right? All sorts of things, right? But just anything very repetitive that, that you see the person doing, again and again and it again it's not their normal routine something that you want to look for um reassurance seeking one of the things that that happens with people with ocd and anxiety is they use their loved ones to get reassurance reassurance makes them feel better about whatever feared topic it is so they might ask you the same questions um you know on a repetitive basis 
that's something to look for because it's going to, the thing is, is it's going to be in your instinct to want to answer those questions and to relieve their distress, to relieve the anxiety. In fact, it might make you feel good to make them feel good, right? To, to be, you know, that, that useful tool to help them get that relief they're looking for. But what we need to understand is that reassurance is, you know, essentially is like their drug, right? They're looking for that reassurance to relieve that anxiety. And then as you're going to see, it's just going to get worse and worse and worse. And they're going to need more and more and more of it. Um, as they, as that, as that fear pattern grows. And then, um, also, you know, one of the things that we want to look for are extreme reactions in our loved ones, right? Very emotional reactions. Um, so this can be something as simple as like, look, if you touch something that, and I know I'm using contamination a lot, but I mean, it might be something where if you touch something, then put something out of order that they put in place and there's this screaming going on or yelling or fighting, that extreme reaction is is oftentimes driven by fear, right, and anxiety, and that's what's causing that extreme reaction. So, um, so something to pay attention to, all right, are extreme explosive reactions. Um, and if you're noticing that, that could obviously be a, a sign that the person might be dealing with an anxiety disorder or OCD. Not always, not in every case, but it's just again, these are things that we want to look for, little red flags, and then um, increased irritability. One of the things that happens when you're stressed out all the time in anxiety disorders, a stress-based disorder, right? You're using a lot of energy, right? And in your body is essentially depleted of energy in many cases. So you're often very exhausted. Um, and that exhaustion leads you know, to a low threshold of what you're able to handle. And this might just be like normal day-to-day -day life. So you might ask um, you know, a loved one to just like, hey, can you swing by the store? and get milk right and they might have this like complete attitude about it or just a, a just an irritability about just the smallest things and it's really easy to take that personally as um as a loved one right it's it's really easy recognizing that this could actually be a symptom that irritability could be a symptom of kind of an un ongoing stress that the person's experiencing and um and it's not that they have it's not giving it permission but again it's just recognizing the symptom right um and then finally things like um depression right one of the big problems with anxiety and stress disorders and ocd right is that depression is often a secondary symptom usually we can notice when someone's depressed they'll be sleeping all the time, no appetite. Um, you know, they'll just be very lethargic, very down. If we think that that's the problem though, and we seek uh, treatment for depression, we're obviously not solving the issue because it's usually a secondary symptom of an anxiety and OCD re um, related disorder. Now, now again, this is just in the context of OCD and stress, right? And anxiety. Sometimes, you know, obviously depression exists just by itself, but depression will show up as a secondary symptom. So again, really getting in tune with why the person's depressed um, and, and what's going on in their life. And because again, these are things that you're going to notice. And then finally, diet and sleep changes. Um, so with anxiety disorders in general, usually there's a suppression of appetite. So the person may like skip meals or just not eat as much and they might start to lose weight, right? Kind of unexplainably. Um, and and realizing if like if that's going on right that that's a their appetites being suppressed from the chronic stress um and then also sleep changes stress uh messes with sleep cycles right and then if you don't sleep you get more stress and it messes with sleep cycles so staying up really late 
um, you know, sleeping in, you know, really long, right? Maybe not sleeping as much, just bags under your eyes, you know, things like that. Sleep, sleep problems, um, real big indicator of, uh, of stress and anxiety as well. So, you know, um, just to kind of recap these, right? So we have large chunks of time alone or isolation, avoidance behaviors, repetitive behaviors, reassurance seeking, extreme reactions and emotions, um, increased irritability, depression, and then finally diet and sleep changes. And so with these, I mean, if you start noticing these, these are the things that you're going to see as the family member, right? Again, like I said, the person's probably not going to come to you and tell you that they have an anxiety disorder. You're just going to start to see these things emerge. And if you do, um, you know, that's obviously the first step. We want to recognize what they are because it's easy to see each of these things and point it out as, as just that thing, right? Oh, he's not sleeping well. Well, why is he not sleeping well? Let's take it one step further as their loved one and kind of go into that for a second. And again, just talking to the person in a, in a very gentle way about these things that might be going on to help you understand what's driving them. And then again, if you are noticing that stress and anxiety is kind of a common thread with these things, well, then guiding that person to help, um, the, the right kind of help is, uh, is always important. So hopefully, uh, this was helpful in this episode. And, um, if you're looking for additional resources down in the notes, we have links over to, um, our site at restoredminds.com where we have some free downloads, um, and additional resources that can help you on this journey, um, you know, to really making sure to help you to help your loved ones get better. So, um, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. And I hope you guys have a wonderful week. I'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you found it helpful, chances are others will too. So if you would please do me a favor and show your support by subscribing and also sharing this with others via your social media, I would really appreciate it. Also, if you're looking for a higher level of support on your journey, I have some links to some free resources down in the notes. And we also host live digital workshops and trainings over at restoredminds.com. Lastly, if you have any questions, I'm here to assist. You can email me questions at support at restoredminds.com. And I might even use your question for a future episode. Thanks again for listening, and I hope to see you soon.